0: Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. Today, I will be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord, for your Word. Father, I just pray that we would receive your Word in the simplest form, but also in the most powerful way. Father, I pray that you use me, Lord, in the midst of this. It says in your word that Peter spoke your word and the Holy Spirit came upon those that heard it. That's my prayer this morning, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would come upon us all as your word is being shared and spoken, Father, in the powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Good morning. Good morning. This is awesome. You guys all look so great. Uh, some of you are dressed better than I am. I almost had you preach. I was, a couple of you were like, you know, in your, in your ties and everything else. Uh, this is about as much as you get from me, unless it's a <laughs> wedding or a funeral, then I'll throw on a tie and some slacks. But um, we're kind of laid back around here. But uh, today's message, obviously, what do you think it's about? Right? Christmas. Christmas? No, Easter morning, right? Resurrection Day. And I called it, You Can't Keep a Good Man Down, right? And, uh, you know, there were three days there where the devil was celebrating and, and the demons were like, "Woohoo, we got him, you know? And, and you ever see, you know, I used to, I boxed for a couple of years in, in Miami with the Pal League down there. And, uh, you know, you, you, I loved boxing until, uh, I probably shouldn't say this, but until Don King took over and then I stopped watching because they, they messed up boxing. It used to be a sport. But anyway... Um, uh, I used to watch it all the time and I still go back and watch some of those old ones and you watch some of these things and they're like you know they'll watch a guy get knocked out and he's on the ground you thinking it's over right and then he gets up and he gets the seven count and they pull on his arms and you know he's his eyes are rolling back in his head and he's still doing one of these and then he gets back in there and fights and ends up winning the fight I've seen that happen a couple of times well in the natural sense that's Kind of what happened here, uh, you know, the, the, the enemy delivered the knockout punch. Put him down, right? But he came back, man. He came back, he got up, and he won. And he didn't just defeat the one who put him there, but he defeated death. Death. If you had a list of things and you say, what's the worst thing that could happen to me? Now, as a Christian, you don't really i'm not really as concerned because you know to be absent from the body is to be present with god in heaven so you know you say okay death but he defeated even death which would be at the top of my list right you say you can die or you can be broke Uh, i think i'll be broke i got stuff to do i got grandkids to watch you know to great grandkids to see be born still i got stuff to do so you can't keep a good man down so our faith And what we believe as a a Christian church, you know, that's another one that people ask, what kind of church are you? We're non-denominational. The minute you say that, you become a denomination, right? Because there's a bunch of those non-denom now. They cut everything. They, you know, they chop up all these non, we're a non-denom. I don't know what that means. But, um, you know, we're just a Christian church. We believe what the Bible says. We do our best to follow Christ. We're imperfect people, but we serve a perfect God. Right, And um, so our faith is secure. What we believe is secure in the fact that Jesus lives. And because he lives, all of his promises are yes and amen. Because what happened, if he would have said, if he would have went to the cross and not resurrected three days later, if we weren't celebrating Easter this morning, none of this would be true. Now everything else he said could have been true, but you get, you get somebody in one little lie or one misstep And then you question everything else they've said. Isn't that true? But he said, in three days, I will rebuild the temple. They didn't know what that meant. But they finally realized in three days. Let me tell you, I take a lot of side roads here, so just bear with me. You know, when Jesus, he had 300 followers, he had 72 followers, he had 12, and then he had the four. So he had different groups of people. But how did he get down to the four? Well, when he stood there amongst all these people and he said... Unless you eat my body, we had communion here on, on Friday night, unless you eat my body and drink my blood. Now, we know, right? In hindsight, we know, we understand that what's coming because we've already read the end of the book, right? We, we moved to the end of the chapter and said, oh, okay, that's what he means. But these people, this is the first time they've ever heard anything like this. So he lost a lot of people that day. A lot of people didn't, didn't want to follow him anymore and say, I don't know if I want to, you know, he doesn't look like un lechon. He doesn't look like pork to me, right? He doesn't look good to me. And drink, I don't know if I want to do that. But then when he's sitting there with the 12 in the Last Supper during Passover and he holds up that piece of bread and he says, this is my body. What do you think happened? Woo! Man, thank you, Jesus, that we did, we stuck around and, and we're just eating bread and drinking some wine, Right? So in the same way, when he says, in three days I will rebuild the temple, they're all thinking naturally, how is that going to happen? This building is not the church, right? He says, I'm going to rebuild the temple in three days. He was talking about the temple of the Holy Spirit, which was his body. They're going to tear this down. They're going to put it into a, a tomb. But don't worry, in three days I will rebuild it. So what we celebrate today is the fullness of salvation That was provided for us through His death, burial, and resurrection. And we celebrate Christmas in December, His birth, and it's like, wow, the birth of our Savior. And and I I gotta say this: I don't want to sound negative on Easter morning, but the world and in our society and in the United States, we've turned these uh, 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 holidays or these holy days—they call them holidays—I call them holy days, right? We've turned these into Something that, you know, does a rabbit really lay eggs? Come on, right? And we call this Easter morning, and the word has kind of changed throughout the years, but a lot of churches aren't using that word anymore. We're not stuck in the little semantics of little words here and there, right? But the word Easter actually comes from a, a Greek goddess of fertility, we shouldn't be using that, right? We're like, and, and, they, and they use it because it's springtime. Everything sprouts on springtime. I mean, everything's fertile during this time. I don't know what happened this morning. We're in April, and it's like 60 degrees outside. Who did that? Anybody do that? I don't know what happened out there this morning. I came out. I was like, what's going on? I was going to go to the beaches this afternoon. But we take it, and we've turned it around. And then we come to church on Easter or Christmas, and we hear the same message every year, and we hear what happened. So we're going to cover what happened in just a real short period of time here this morning. What happened? But what's important here is not just what happened, but what does that mean for you? What does that do for you? What have you done for me lately? Right? Nobody else knows that song? Okay, I'm going to go ahead and read Matthew 28. Matthew 28, 1 through 10. We'll have it should be behind me, and then you should also have your notes in front of you or your Bible if you'd like to turn there. Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. Now, after the Sabbath, at the first day of the week began to dawn. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb, and behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. Can we stop there for a minute? The stone. So they 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 take a stone, they they carve it out. It's about you know probably four thousand pounds or something. I'm probably exaggerating. I'm I'm Hispanic. We tend to do that. So let's just cut that in half. Let's say two thousand pounds. And they put it on a little like a hill, like a little uh, a ramp with a little le- ledge on it. And they they put the stone up there so that way once they put the body in the tomb they release that stone and it rolls down in front of the entrance of the tomb now to remove that stone it has to be rolled back up it's it's virtually impossible to do but the stone was removed his countenance was like lightning the angel that removed this stone can you imagine how strong he was and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. I got proof, evidence of his resurrection. And so... And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before into, before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they, they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell the disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, Rejoice! Woo-hoo! rejoice they were probably flipping out right so they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him we worship the resurrected king then jesus said to them do not be afraid go and tell my brethren to go to galilee and there they will see me Can you imagine how relieved jesus may have been at this moment you know, we, we talked about his crucifixion on Friday and the, the the violent, gruesome thing that happened that day, what they did to him and the, the suffering and the, the bleeding and the, the pain and all that stuff he went through on that day. And he knew what he had to do. And he didn't die for us. He died as us. completely completely different because we belonged up there we were the sinners we were the ones that were separated from god and he did that so that we wouldn't be anymore god's not looking for the perfect person he's looking for the person who's going to accept what jesus did for them we always say that oh i got i got stuff i gotta change i got things that i still do and i got ways that i talk and and i'm just you know i gotta fix these things before i come to church you're backwards you're backwards as i was praying this morning i have all my notes here and and, you know it's it's a short sermon but if you know any other preachers that say this is a short sermon we'll probably be here for another hour and a half or so but uh, (laughs) i'm just kidding just kidding but as i was praying this morning lord i want to i want to Share something that makes this Easter different than anything else. And he said, I felt like the Lord was speaking to me, saying, Share your testimony. I was like, Nobody wants to hear that. I've already shared that so many times. And people, the, those that know me and been around here a little bit, you know, they know that. And he goes, Share your testimony. And that's what Jesus did. And a lot of these, uh, 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 his apostles and his disciples, they would go around and say, This is what happened. I came to Jesus and I had this experience. and..." And this is what happened to me. Now, I'm going to leave out a lot of the details because my mom's here this morning. And uh, no, you don't know everything, Mom. I'm sorry. You don't, you don't really know everything. But, uh, you know, every once in a while when we're gathered as a family at a table or something, I'll say, remember this that I told you? she said, yeah. I said, I lied. I'll tell you the truth now. I'm in my 50s, and I'm still telling my mom truths about lies that I told her when I was a teenager. But I... Uh, you know, I was born and raised in, in uh, Miami. My parents uh, came over in Peter Pan and Pedro Pan, Pedro Pan, and uh, if you know what that is, you can look that up online, and they came over to the United States. I'm so grateful that they did and, and that I was born and raised here uh, instead of there, but uh, I was raised under that culture in Miami, and I speak Spanish, and then I'm married a Brazilian, so I speak Portuguese because she's not here, right? She kept yelling at me in Portuguese, and I didn't know what she was saying, so I had to learn it. But um, don't tell her that. But um, and you gotta edit that out because she listens to my sermons. But um, so I was raised in Miami, and you know, I, at 10 or 11 years old, I started doing stuff that I probably shouldn't have been doing, and I started. I, I looked at. I watched my kids grow up, and I watched them at 10 or 11, and I'm thinking, what was I doing? They were so. At 10, 11, my kids were so pure and so, I mean, they did their things. They lied and they, you know, did their stuff and whatever. You know, I'm not a naive parent, but, uh, you know, they didn't do anywhere near the stuff that I was doing. I said, 10, 11, you barely even hit puberty yet, you know, and here I was doing, running the streets and doing stuff that I shouldn't have been doing and running away from home. And uh, uh, one time my mom had to call the police to come get me because I called and, I don't know if she knows this one, but I left the house on my bicycle, and, and I was gone. And uh, Anyway, I was, I was on, I was on uh, uh, going over the bridge on near 27th Avenue in Miami into an area that's not very good over there, and a guy pulls up to the red light and takes a couple shots at the telephone booth. Remember what a telephone booth looks like? So I'm on my, I'm on my Mongoose bike. It was red with the yellow rims. Anybody ever seen those? Yeah, I had one of those. And I was riding, you know, and I'm headed towards the beach, you know, I'm not going back home, I'm done, I'm like 13, 14 years old, you know, I, I, I know everything at this point, right, I have all the knowledge that I could ever even have in my brain, because I knew more than my mom, my dad, than anybody else around, so it was time for me to go. <laughs> and uh, so now I'm, at, I'm, at, I'm headed to this red light, this car pulls up, boom, boom, takes a couple shots at the telephone booth, as I'm coming up to it, I hit the ground. And out of that same telephone booth with bullet holes in it, I picked up the phone and I called the house, and uh, and I ended up back home. And the police were there. And my mom was crying, and I'm sorry, mom. And um, <laughs> but I ran. I did a lot of stuff from the age of ten till I was 19 years old. Are, are all the kids away? Most of them, right? I, I did. When I say stuff, you guys understand what I mean, right? I ate things and smoked things and took things and. Slept with things and all those things. (laughs) And one day, I was at a retreat because somebody said I needed to go to this retreat. To uh, I wasn't there for any other reason other than to, I won't tell you the whole detail there, but somebody was going to pay off uh, 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 someone that I owed money to, a Colombian guy. This is in the 80s, by the way, so you can imagine if you know anything about that. So I'm about to, you know, I'm going to this retreat. and At the end of it, my account would be swiped clean. I won't owe anybody anything, and and I could start doing what I was doing before. That was my mentality. So I'm at this camp in Homestead, Florida, and uh, there's a pastor there, Pastor David Southwell. He's like six-something and 400 pounds of man, and he, you know, I would always look up at him. And he was just such a loving person, and he said this to me. For two days straight while i was there i kept myself away from everybody i i didn't want to be around those christian holy roller people you know i had I had long hair and you know i was trying to grow a beard but it was really shraggly, but i didn't care you know nowadays that's in style right and, uh, a hipster beard i guess they call it but i was growing all this you know all every and i was just my eyebrows were stuck together all the time i was always angry and here i am at this thing and i'm I'm sitting in the back and I'm sitting in the corner and I'm staying away from the other it was a youth conference it was probably a couple hundred maybe 3 400 other youth there high school age kids and so this guy would not leave me alone and he would he just he kept finding me and said god loves you just like you are The first time I heard it I laughed and I looked up at him and in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah. Take your wallet <laughs> and steal your car in the parking lot and not think twice about it. That's what, where my mind was. That's where my spirit was. It was dark. I was in a dark place. And he continued, God loves you just like you are. Now, there's no way. You don't know the things I've done, where I've been, who I've, right? You have no idea. I didn't believe it, but he kept telling me, God loves you just like you are. Oh, come on. That can't be true. Another day goes by. God loves you just like you are. And on June 21st, 1987, he said it to me one more time. It was dark. It had just gotten dark, probably 8.30, 9 o'clock at night. It was sprinkling rain. I'm standing under what looked like, if I remember correctly, like an oak tree trying to stay out of the rain. We were outside. It was Pastor David Southwell and another guy. I don't remember his name. And I looked up at him. and says, if God will take me like this, if God will love me like this, after everything I've done, after all the people I've hurt, if you will take me, ju- I'm, not changing, I, I'm not changing a thing. If you will love me just like this, I'll let him. That sound a little arrogant. I'll let him love me. And little by little, my heart was softened and softened. And, and then he says, all you got to do is ask Jesus to come into your heart. Oh, you don't know. My heart's dark, man. I, you know, I've done stuff. I probably should have gone to jail for. I've done stuff. Nope. Jesus loves you just like that. And on that night, June 21st, 1987, I gave my life to the Lord. You know, and uh, you know, you hear that in prison. I met Jesus in prison. Jesus is in prison, right? I met Jesus in prison, or I met Jesus here, or I met Jesus there. What's awesome is that I didn't meet Jesus that day. Jesus met me. He pursued me. He came after me. And I didn't understand anything of what was going on. I had, uh, about a week later, that pastor gave me this Bible. This Bible is about 35 years old. I just had it rebound uh, uh, like last year sometime because it's been rebound like three times. And, and it's the I didn't know anything what was written in these pages. And when he explained to me after a couple of days of being there, What Jesus did on the cross, I never thought in a million years that I could feel more loved than I did at that moment when God came into my life. And then I realized that the only reason God was able to accept me the way that I was, because in the Old Testament, in the law, you had to follow certain rules. And if you didn't follow them, you had to kill an animal and shed blood. and, And he says, look, I have a new and better covenant. I have a new And better system for you and that's gonna work through the signing of this New Testament in my blood on the cross I'm gonna sign off on this thing and once I do everything will be different you know how I know everything changed because I started learning this from a heart of love not a heart of judgment condemnation We're teaching a series right now here in our church called Restoration of the Church. We need to get back to a church being about love and acceptance. God never asked us to point the finger at anybody. I say it this way. He never asked us. He asked us to fish for men, right, be a fisher of men. He never told us to fillet them and fry them. We've been doing for years. We've been filleting and frying them. If you saw Jesus' revolution, you'll see what I'm talking about. Those hippies came in. I would love to have a a building full of hippies. It would be awesome. Right? Because the truth sets them free. Not me. I accepted the fact that Jesus died on the cross, resurrected three days later. I didn't understand all this. But when I came to God, he didn't care that I didn't understand. He didn't care that I didn't know his word. He didn't care what I had done in the past. If you read through Hebrews 12, and I encourage you to do that, or Hebrews 11, I'm sorry, through Hebrews 11, he talks about these men of faith. Right? It starts off with, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And then he goes, he talks about these men of faith. He talks about Abraham and David and, and uh, you know, the different ones that are in there. And he says, By, you know, through faith, this is Abraham believed after he was beyond the age, and Sarah was impregnated beyond the age, and they believed. That's not what happened. I'm thinking, did God forget? Because <laughs> I read what happened. Abraham and Sarah laughed. They're like, this is crazy. I'm 99. There, you know, I mean, this is, these things don't work anymore. Factory's been closed for a long time. And so they laughed. And then they went and they said, okay, God said it, so we'll try and figure out how to do it ourselves. And they create what's called an Ishmael, which is the baby that was born of the maid. So Abraham was still working. <laughs> His parts were still working because the maid got pregnant. They did all this stuff before the actual the miracle that God said was going to happen. Before all, they, But it's not mentioned in the New Testament. David, the adulterer and murderer, we always call him these things. You know what he calls him? A man after God's own heart. He doesn't mention the adultery. He doesn't mention the murder. Why doesn't he do that? Because it's after that. It's after the resurrection. It's after the price that was paid for all the sin that was done before, during, and after. It says, while we were still sinners, he died on the cross. While we were still sinners, he died on the cross. There are three empty promises of Easter. That doesn't sound very positive, does it? (laughs) The empty cross is the forgiveness of our sins. The empty tomb is eternal life, for he defeated death. And the empty burial clothes is our personal relationship with Jesus. Amen? The first Easter Sunday is the greatest moment in His story. But what does this mean for us today? I want to know. This is great. This is history. This happened. It's in the Bible. I kind of believe it. You know. Okay, a guy resurrected. I get all that. But what does this mean for me? Thousands of years later. What is this going to do for me? What have you done for me lately? You guys are. You guys. You left me hanging. Romans Romans 6 verses 4 through 6 says, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, Certainly, we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, and the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. I don't serve sin anymore. Do I slip up every once in a while? I'm not perfect, I'm forgiven. And when God loves you like that, you don't. It's not that you don't. You, you don't have to do these things. You don't want to. If I, you know, before I got saved, I did. All, I partied. I did all the stuff that I did. I never felt bad about it. Well, the next morning, I felt pretty bad. But you know, yeah. the hair of the dog or whatever, and you know, and then you do, and I do it again, and again, and again, and again, and I never. Pfft. Now I leave this retreat center. I go back to my life. Some of you will understand this, and if you don't, I'm glad that you don't. I go back to my life. I don't know why the Lord has me doing this. Lord, forgive me. I'm, 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 I'm having a, a moment here with him. <laughs> I go back to my life. I had a roommate at the time. His name was Juan. And I go back to my life. I go back to the apartment I was living in, and I go underneath my bed. I take out the McDonald's tray. Getting, I got some of you giggled. That means you're giving yourselves away here. <laughs> because if you know that, right? I threw it in the garbage. I went through the refrigerator. Got rid of, man, how I remember. Lord, help me forget the details. Got rid of all the low-embrow that was in the refrigerator. That used to be my favorite. I wasn't old enough to drink at this point. But nobody cared. I threw away all the liquor. I cleaned out the, everything. This was before my roommate got home. My roommate got home, <laughs> <laughs> and he's flipping out. He goes to the fridge like he would to get a cold one. It's not there. He goes under the bed. It's not there. He goes right. He's like, "What is going on here?" And I'm, I'm like, "What? I gave my life to God." He goes, "Oh, if you would have told me you wanted to know about God, I would have told you I'm a Jehovah Witness." And I was like, no, no, you don't understand. I didn't find religion. This relationship that I found, and I didn't know anything about this, this is just a couple of days later, I didn't know anything. I wasn't biblically smart at the point at that point. or self-righteous like we become when we learn too much. I won't go there. let's let's move on. I was just saved. I was just loved by God. And at that point, I told him, I said, no, you don't understand. This, I'm not in a religion. This is not happening to me because this is happening to me because I have a relationship with God, and he accepted me. I can come before his presence now, even as messy as I am, and, and he loves me. And as a parent, you might understand this a little bit. You don't disown your child and kick them out and say, I never want to see you again and give me my last name back because they misbehave. Or because they do something wrong? What do you do? You rescue them over and over. You may be upset. You may be upset enough to kick them out, but then you go look for them. (laughs) (laughs) Right? But eventually, and how much more God loves us. So I took this uh, uh, verse 5 in Romans 6, and I took a couple of words and I highlighted them. So I'm just going to read those words uh, without everything else. United in death. Certainly we are also in his resurrection. See, the old man, the old Rick, is gone. I buried him June 21st, 1987. He keeps trying to, you know, dig out of his own grave and and try, right? But I buried him. He's He's not here anymore. You know what I'm trying to get back to? Being that foolish, uneducated kid that just accepted God's love. Because that's all I want to convey on this Easter morning is that God loves you. Because this whole message, this whole book is about love. And what have we done as men? What have we done as religions? What have we done? We've taken this and we've turned it into a do's and don'ts. That's not what this is. We've turned it into a book of prosperity. If you've been around churches long enough, you know that 20 years ago, if if everything that we said, and I'm guilty of some of these things... If everything that we said from the pulpit was true, we'd all be millionaires. Remember the prosperity message? Those guys on TV with the cocker, you know, the alligator skin boots and the Rolexes, and you know, and they're telling you to to give because you're going to become rich. That's not what this book's about. It's about His love. It's a love story. He loved us. That's what this is about. And if we put everything that is written there and everything we've been taught through the strainer of his love only the only thing that gets through there is his love the rest of the stuff we came up with we've created that's why we're restoring here at new life and i've talked to other pastors that in, in in my circles i've lost some friends because of this i mean they're still around they're not mad at me but they're like no that's not that's not there has to be some accountability. It's not up to me to declare what I'm what you're accountable for. I'm a man. He is not a man that he should lie nor repent, right? I come to him, and he's going to love me no matter how messed up I get. You can't do anything so bad that God won't love you and restore you. We have a little saying around here It says, uh, God loves you just like you are, and he loves you too much to leave you there. Only God can change another person. This will help your marriage. Took you a minute to think about that one. We want to change the one we're married to to make things better. No, you, you have no power over that. Only God does. You only have power to change you as the Lord leads you Galatians 2 verse 20 I have been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live but Christ lives in me in the life which I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me with all the different religions out there and all the different thought processes and all the different philosophies and all the different science and all, everything out there, there's only one, only one where the God that calls you to be part of his family dies for his people. All the other ones ask for his people to die for them. It requires something of the people, no matter where you go choose one. It requires something of you. But God said, you know what? Not me. I love my people so much, I'll give my life for them. I shared this in a, in a prison one time. I used to do prison ministry. And I told them, how many of you all been in court? You know, and they're all in prison, so they've all been in court, right? I tried to tell a joke. Nobody laughed. But yeah. And then I'm looking around making sure that I had, you know, guards around me to to escort me out because there was a couple hundred people it was during Christmas in a tent outside and here at the Tomoka uh, uh, prison and uh, so I said you know you've been in court and then I went through the whole how many of you have a file and some of them started telling the truth you know you have a file and there was evidence against oh no that was planted but it's always somebody but anyway most of them were like they knew there was evidence against them that found them to be guilty I almost said, how many of you had a bad lawyer? They all did, right? (laughs) But I have an advocate, which is one of the descriptions of who Jesus is in the Bible, an advocate, a lawyer. And I stood before a judge one day, and he pulled out my file. And he went through it. There's evidence of your sinful life right here. You can't erase these things. You actually did these things, and we have evidence, we have video, we have fingerprints, we have DNA, We have all these things. They're all on the... well, you did them. And there's proof there's not a jury in the world that won't convict you. The lawyer, the advocate leans over to me, "Oh yeah, you know, We're going to have to do a plea deal or something. Not my advocate. They find me guilty. The judge stands up. He's about to give me my sentence. You are sentenced to life. And my advocate stands up and says, we'll accept that sentence. But I, I will do the sentence for him. The evidence was against me. Wouldn't we like to have lawyers like that? I'll serve the time for him. Somebody has to serve it. Somebody has to pay for these things. I'll do it on his behalf. That's what Jesus did for us as our advocate. He took the punishment upon himself for us. And now we want to take that and create a religion where it points fingers. If he paid the price, why would he point that? It's kind of contradictory, don't you think? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Right? You see them in football games. They hold up the sign. John 3.16, you see them at the NASCAR races. Uh, the NASCAR races are a little more crooked because they drink a lot of beer. But, um, you know, <laughs> you see they, they do it at the football games too. But, you know, they're holding up these signs in the, to John 3.16, and, and it's true. But 17 and 18 clears up everything. For God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but to save it through the giving of his life, that whoever does not believe in Jesus is already condemned, but he who does has no longer condemned. Yet what do we want to do? We want to, right? I've been asked that many times. We had a, a couple here that were coming to church and um They came and asked me that their lifestyle, if it was a sin and they were going to hell, I said, man, you're asking the wrong person. I'm not God to send you there. They looked at me funny and I said, I'll take it a step further. Hell wasn't created for God to punish you and send you there. Hell was created for you to pay for your own sin. It's your choice. I accept what he did. But what do we want to preach? We want to preach hell and condemnation. But Jesus said, hey, that place exists, and you could choose to go there. But you're only going there because you chose to pay for it yourself. And Jesus said, I already paid for it. I already did it. Bury that old man. Bury that old mentality, and let's move forward. This is what happened on this day, Romans eight eleven. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, the spirit of resurrection dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life. Everybody say life. life. In one version it says quicken, right? Life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. It will quicken your mortal bodies as it says in some versions. But the word here is actually life. I'm going to try and say this. Uh, we Some say Zoe life, but this is the whole word. Zoe is just the root of zo- the is the root word for zopeio, <laughs> zo, zopeio, something like that. Zoe life, right? Means to restore life, to give increase. How can I be more alive than I am right now? It's like being pregnant. You're not a little bit pregnant. You're not a lot pregnant. You're pregnant or you're not, right? I'm alive or I'm not, right? But he says, more life. He's going to give you more life. Not just life, but resurrection life. He defeated death. I was at a funeral one, one time, and it was a Spanish passage. It says, la muerte mató la muerte. Death killed death. Like, so simple, right? See, I had a life before June twenty first, 1987. That was my first life, and it ended in death. But then he gave me a last life, not a second life, because then you have a third and a fourth. He gave me my last life, not a second Adam, but the last Adam, because Jesus died so that I could be part of that heritage, of that bloodline that says I am no longer of the bloodline of Adam that I was a sinner. I'm on the bloodline of Jesus. All right. The only one that was perfect. (laughs) Thank you, Lord and this new life ends in everlasting life life forevermore the same power that brought jesus back from the dead lives inside of us so that our lives may be restored not just restored but with increase you know if you know about about i, I don't know a little, enough to to say this if you know about restoring an old car you know you could restore it to its original you know you take a let me see i had a it wasn't a very good car, but I had like a, I think it was like a '79 or an '80 Mustang with a straight six-cylinder engine in it. It was very slow. It was very smoky. It you know burned oil, and you know it was a Ford by all means. But anyway, um, I'm a Chevy guy. But uh, if you took that that same body and you rebuilt it and made it all new, and then took that straight six out of there and put a much bigger, faster engine in it, that car would go a lot faster than the original creation would have. Is that not correct? Right. I don't know how that all that works, and I could have mentioned a, an engine block that goes in there, and not, but I don't know enough about that to say that. But that's what God did. He didn't just give us back life; He gave us back life with more power. He gave us back life, not that we would be like we were before, but new and better than we were before. That's the life that we get on Easter Sunday when he resurrects. He makes that offer to us. That offer is like a proposal. Those of you who are married, you made a proposal, right? If you had enough money, you bought a real nice ring with a big diamond on it. If you didn't, it was a little diamond. If you still couldn't, you bought a zirconia or whatever, right? I'm the cubic zirconia guy. We were poe. I couldn't afford the OR on the end of the word. We were just (laughs) poe. (laughs) <laughs> it, the, there's a, a Spanish saying that says uh, I'm so poor I, I have to wave like this because I can't afford to give you the fingers <laughs> fingers by the way right <laughs> but I bought my wife a cubic zirconia at service merchandise all the old people are like yeah I remember the other young people are going what in the world is that right my, my mom used to work for Jefferson's used to tie your horse outside the, the, the shop before going in. That's how long ago that was. I bought it. She laughed. I bought, I bought the, you know, her cubic zirconia. It was what I could afford. And it, it cost me, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks maybe. And I knelt down and I asked her and she said yes. It was valuable to me. Some may be able to afford a $30,000 ring, a big, huge, stone on top, you know, and and you show, you reflect your love for your spouse and for the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with. You give that value by that little ring that you're going to put on her finger. Well, God made a proposal, and he says, I want to propose to you with the most valuable thing that I own, my only begotten son. Not like he had others. He only had one And he says, here, I propose to you with this. Will you say yes? And what are we saying yes to? Forgiveness of sin, right? Because that's what Jesus did. He caused the blind to see, the lame to walk. He healed all kinds of infirmities. He delivered the oppressed. He cast out demons. He fed 5,000. He raised the dead. He walked on water. He spoke to the winds, and he calmed the sea. Why would you want to follow this guy? That's what I'm asking this morning. Are you going to accept not just what he did? Because we could talk about what he did. It's all written in here. I'll tell you what he didn't do. When he did these things, he didn't separate the 5,000. Are you Christians? Are you living right? You got drunk last night. You don't get any food. And, you know, you got to get right with God because you're sleeping with that woman. She's not your wife. So, you you're going to get, you'll get a little, a smaller piece of bread. You'll get less, he didn't do that. Separate them in groups of 50 so it'll be easier for us to distribute the food. That all could eat more than, like a buffet. I know, I'm trying to get you out here for the buffet. Right? That all could eat. Jesus He healed the blind man, never told him, you need to repent of your sins. Once in a while, he said, go and sin no more, right, for their own good. But he offered the miracles and the things that he was capable of doing as God himself on earth, 100% man, 100% God. He offered these things to whoever wanted them. (laughs) The only ones that he really picked on were the religious scribes and Pharisees and the in the in the rabbis, right? On Easter morning, Jesus himself is bidding out to you to accept what he did on the cross that you may also have the resurrection power that he demonstrated at the tomb. It lives inside of me, and not because I'm special. You know, I I tell people said, you're there's no there's no hierarchy here. God gave value to everyone exactly the same. Good, bad, and the ugly. Right? Everyone has the same uh, uh, approach to God through Jesus because he paid the same price. Everyone has the same value to God. I'm I'm no more valuable because I've gone to seminary and then I went to Christian college and I know this and I know that. Listen, I'm just as valuable to God today than i was june 21st 1987 when i knew nothing why because he paid the same price for me as he did for you we got to quit looking at other people and going i'm not like that so i can't go to church and i don't look like that and i don't talk like that and i don't behave like that we created our own language we call it christianese right we we say things a certain way and we talk a certain way and what does that do it doesn't include it excludes We need to restore the church. Read through the book of Acts. We're we're doing that in our discipleship class on Wednesday night, man. We're like, wow, our jaws are down. This is what we need to get back to. This is what God intended. This is what God created. And what did man do? He came and put his fingerprints all over the church. We have seven ways to get people to give more and ten ways to get people to come through the door. And we have all these programs and things, you know. we're, We're very proud of who we are. We have a great children's ministry. You saw them all up here, right? We were children's pastors for a long time, and we, we love our kids. That's where a large portion of our budget goes into those classrooms back there and into those kids and, and what we do with them back there because we, they're not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. Amen. I'm going to ask Ricky to make his way up. I'm going to read something, and, uh, and then I, I want to pray for you all and, and, and let you get to your families and to your meals uh, today. But this is uh, it's written by Phillips Brooks, and it's called An Easter Carol. And uh, there's two of these. You can look them up if you want to. One of them is much longer than this, uh, but there's one that was written much shorter. I'm sure he either wrote them both or somebody took it and shortened it. I'm going to read the shorter version of this, An Easter Carol by Phillips Brooks. And it says, Tomb, you shall not hold him longer. Death is strong, but life is stronger. Stronger than the dark, the light. Stronger than the wrong, the right. Faith and hope triumphant say, Christ will rise on Easter Day. While the patient earth lies waiting till the morning shall be breaking, shuddering beneath the burden, dread of her master, cold and dead. Hark! She hears the angel say, Christ will rise on Easter day. And when sunrise smites the mountains, pouring light from heavenly fountains, then the earth blooms out to greet once again the blessed feet and her countless voices say, Christ has risen on Easter day. Stand to your feet. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You can, this, these are my favorite times of the year. The easiest time to share a message because this is the root. And the foundation of every message that should be preached from every pulpit. That God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son to die on the cross. And then he kept his promise by resurrecting three days later. Not only keeping his promise, but making those promises for us that we may take advantage. That doesn't sound good, right? But that's exactly, I've done this. eh? You do something for somebody, you you know, go back to cars. It's kind of like driving a, what happened here? Oh, there we go. It's kind of like driving a car. If you get into a brand new Corvette and it has 700 horsepower and you drive it down the street at 20 miles an hour, it wasn't created for that. See, God, through his creation, through the death of his son and resurrection he gave us some promises and he says i've done this for you go ahead go ahead take what i've done for you so this morning we can't leave here easter morning without asking if anybody wants to receive jesus as their lord and savior and you've heard this before and and maybe you've heard what's called the sinner's prayer i can't find that in here i can't you know what jesus did Follow me. Come on, follow me, he said. Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And they followed. He didn't make them stop and confess a bunch of stuff. And he just said, hey, follow me. He's bidding out to you this morning. Hey, come on, follow me. This is beyond religion. This is beyond membership at a church. This is so beyond everything. It's not about do's and don'ts anymore. Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church. You will never be the same.